Let's pray together. Jesus, I want to thank you for this morning and thank you again for your word. Would you open our hearts today to uh, receive from you, to be transformed by you through your word and your name. Amen. Amen. I think it's, it's really important to note that when we become Christians, if you choose to follow Jesus as your Lord and Savior, that is not the end of a process. There was a process of coming to faith, of course, but that's not an end. That is a beginning. We're not set to then just sort of coast through the rest of life. It's the beginning of a new work of God in us. It's the start of a new journey. And we're not to be the same as we once were. There's this sense in the Bible that when we come to faith and we're growing in Jesus, uh, that there are stages where, where, we're, where something shifts and we grow more deeply. There's a gradual process and then there's also sort of moments where suddenly we take a leap and it feels like we've gone deeper than we were before. And Paul's plea here in Romans 12 is encouraging believers, encouraging Christians to grow in their faith, encouraging those who maybe haven't become Christians yet, who haven't made a commitment to follow Jesus, to give them something to look forward to in what it means to follow Christ. And what he says here is he appeals to them, he's urging them, he calls them to engage in the new life that they've received from Jesus. And Paul uses some really interesting language here. He goes back to Israel's scriptures to describe how we're to live. And he uses this language of the sacrificial animals from the Old Testament sacrificial system. And in that system, the animals would be brought by the people to the priests, and there was all sorts of different uh, sacrificial functions that could happen. The big one was, of course, that the animal could represent the sins of the people and be killed uh, on behalf of the people to atone for their sins. And those animal sacrifices were given to God. They were brought forward and given to him, often consumed by him. The animals were put to death, and now, uh, because of that animal's death, the people could experience God's grace and God's life. And now, Paul says, he's looking back to that language, and he says, yeah, but because of Jesus, Jesus fulfilled all of that system. Jesus died as the perfect spotless lamb so that we can now experience the life of God fully today. We've already been made alive from death. And he says, now you offer your bodies. This is verse 1 of chapter 12. Present your bodies as a living sacrifice to God. Not someone else present the lamb on your behalf. No, no, you come yourself and give yourself to God. Not as something to be killed, necessarily, that you just sort of are now you die, you know, to appease God in some sense. No, no, God wants you holy and alive, serving him. And so Paul says, present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God. This is something we do consciously and deliberately because we love Jesus. It's like, because God, for what you've done in our lives, we respond by giving ourselves to you. And so worship is not just something we do on a Sunday morning when we're singing, though as much as, as, much as, as, much as that is true. Hey, buddy. 
got a little guy that wants to come see me. Hey, you. Worship's then a lot more than just singing for 20 minutes once a week, right? Worship is more than just praising God. It becomes all of our life lived for God. Hebrews 13 talks about this idea. It says, through Jesus, let us continually offer to God a sacrifice of praise. So we do that, right? We praise his name. The fruit of lips that openly profess his name. So we speak about Jesus. We praise his name. We profess his name. But then listen to what Hebrews says when it comes to worship. It says, and do not forget to do good and share with others for such sacrifices God is pleased. So there's this sense that our worship is not just what happens Sunday morning, but it also is the life that we live choosing to follow Jesus and choosing to do good for Jesus. And in a sense, those are sacrifices. Instead of bringing an animal and laying it on an altar, now we sacrifice what? We sacrifice a measure of our time or a measure of our energy or a measure of our finances and say, I'm going to give this to Jesus. I'm going to give this portion of my life to him. I could be doing something else with my time, but I'm going to give this time to him. I could be doing something else on a, on a Wednesday evening, but I'm going to choose to go and lead this Bible study, right? And I, this is, at least personally for me, this is like, and I'm going to set a time where I can still try and get my kids to bed and still go out and do this Bible study somehow, right? It requires some maneuvering, at least at this stage in my life, to figure out how to do some of that. But it's a sacrifice of saying, God, it's worth my time to, to go and do this. i got to figure out how to do it. Sometimes that's hard, but it's worth going and doing this. And so worship includes our praise of Jesus, but it includes also the life that we live for him and sharing him with others. That becomes this sacrificial offering unto God. And that's the first thing I wanted to note this morning in this passage from Romans 12, is that all of life can be worship. All of life, your work, your school, your marriage, your, your family, or your caring for a loved one, or whatever it might be, whatever it might be that uh, you, know, you set your hand to, you can live that as worship unto God, in response to God. Not simply out of duty. We don't do that to try and earn God's favor. We respond to him in love and in action because of what he's already done for us. God has already acted with his salvation and his redemption, and we respond to that by how we live. And now the rest of this section in Romans 12 asks kind of the question, okay, what does that look like in a church community? What's that mean in a congregation? And Paul says, well, the way we live out our lives of worship looks different for different people. Every person's unique. Every person has their own unique giftings and callings. Look at verses 4 and 5. He says, For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function. So we, though many, are one body in Christ, and individually we're members one of another. We're one body together in Jesus. This is what the local church and the church worldwide and centuries deep is meant to model, that we are brought together in Christ, and the way in which he's called us and gifted us and equipped us complements each other, 
for the work of his kingdom. We don't all have the same function. Not everyone in this room is a Sunday school teacher, right? And not everyone here can shovel snow. Like I can, but it kind of hurts after a little bit. I will run the snowblower, right? And not everyone here is good at pulling weeds in the flower beds. You get me in there, I'll probably pull the flowers as well as the weeds. It would be just a, just a mess. And not all of us can teach. And not everyone's really good at encouraging other people. Sometimes you try, and it's like, well, that fell flat. That was, that was not very good, trying to encourage that person. But some people are really good at it. Everyone's gifted in unique ways. And Paul says we can't think of some people as better than other people. No one's greater than the other. We're all different, but we're all called together in God and belonging together in Jesus. And so in short, we need each other. And a healthy church needs each other because we are diverse, but we're also unified as one body with Jesus as our head. And so there's some encouragement for us when you think God has actually put people together in local churches, really intentionally. He plants people together with their unique giftings and callings and says, okay, off you go. Do your thing. And learn, to, and you might not get along all the time with each other, but learn to work through that and process that together and you'll be stronger. Paul goes on to list some of those gifts and he says, according to the grace given to us. And note that it's is not some gift I necessarily drum up for myself, though that can be the case where we are talented or skilled in a particular area. But there's a grace of God given to the body of Christ to work in these various areas. And he lists a variety of spiritual gifts in verses 6 to 8. He says, some people are prophetic some people receive a word from God in a moment, and, and they're called by God to share that with this other person. I've seen that at work, where someone has a specific word for someone and gives that to them in prayer. And that person who has that prophetic word may not even know what it all means, might not even know all the details, but they say, I feel like God wants me to share this with you. And it could be a word, or it could be a picture that they say, and they describe a scene. And that person then receives that, and it's up to them to, to discern, okay, is that from God or is that something else? But if it is from God, often it hits home right away, and they go, oh, my goodness, yeah, that's exactly where I'm at. That's exactly what I needed to hear. Some people are gifted in that way. Some people, Paul says, are teachers. Part of their calling is to open God's Word up for others so they can encounter Jesus in God's Word and grow more deeply in him. Some people are encouragers. It says here in verse 8, they're exhorts, the one who exhorts in his exhortation. That's encouragement. Like I said, they may not be a teacher, but man, they're good at giving hugs. You need those people in a church, right? You need those ones who can come along and just say, you're not doing so good, are you? Nope. Not doing well. Let's talk about that. Some people just love serving. I know people who love being the behind-the-scenes people. They don't want to be up on the platform. They don't want to be up, 
you know, teaching something or, or you know, leading something. What they really want to do is just be behind the scenes somewhere. Maybe working in a kitchen. Maybe just making a meal at home that they can bring to someone. Or maybe they just want to come midweek on to the church building and, you know, just like do the whippersnipping or something, right? They don't want to be up front. Just something along the side somewhere where God's called them. Others, it says, God has given uh, generosity to the one who contributes. Some people just love giving. Have you ever met these people? They hear about a need, and they're like, let's just give towards that. That'd be brilliant. And it doesn't necessarily mean they're rich or have a lot of money. They just literally like giving things. And so sometimes it's monetary, but sometimes it's actual stuff. I, I remember some people, this was last winter, came with a whole bunch of jackets, really nice jackets from somewhere, right? There was some kind of sale or deal or stock was changing at one of the stores here in town. And they just had these giant, these giant clear plastic bags full of these like winter jackets. We're like, can you give these to people? I was like, we can find somebody. We'll take the jackets, right? And they were so excited to give those jackets away. They were just like, it made their day, right? God had blessed them in that gift of generosity. I know others who are really good at administrative oversight. God bless you, right? These people are awesome with policies and budgets and all of that incredibly life-giving stuff, <laughs> right? Working with the numbers, good Lord help us, right? The governance, some people are awesome at that. And Paul goes on and on. There's those who are real evangelists. They just have a real heart for the lost just a real heart to get out beyond the walls of the church building and the ministries in the church and go and connect with people who don't know Jesus and call them to himself. And the point is that the church has a variety of people so that God's spirit is at work in the whole group and, and different areas have different things happening and the needs are being met and there is a working together that God does. And so we're encouraged to give as spiritual worship, to give of our time or our energy in the way that God has called us. And I was thinking about this, you know, the way a, the way a single mother is called to give or to serve looks really different than how a retired couple can serve. And as a church, we need to make sure that the expectation is not so high that we think, well, what you're doing isn't good enough or what you're doing is better than the other, right? And Paul says that. Paul says, we don't think of one as greater than the other. This one person isn't better just because they are the one who can teach than this one who's cleaning the toilets, right? They're gifted and called in different ways. The teenager in high school can serve or give or be part of the life of the church in a different way than, than a, an adult father whose, whose kids are, have left home. And maybe he has more time, or maybe, maybe uh, an adult who's a, a skilled tradesperson, and they see things in the church and are like, "I can do maintenance. I can go fix that hole." I'm sitting there like, "I can't fix that hole. You go ahead, buddy. Have at her." We're assigned different callings and different functions, and there's also different levels of, of maturity, as well. But it's by God's grace, not by ourselves. And listen again to verse 6. He says, Having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, 
Let us use them. The emphasis being, don't just sit around. Use them. Use the gifts you've been given. Lean into them. Find a way to serve. Find a way to be involved. It may be a small way, and that's okay. That's okay. But don't ignore the grace that God's given you to serve in some capacity. And so this morning, instead of just preaching this and thinking about it, I thought, let's actually practice doing it. We have all sorts of various ministry leaders in our church body, and they serve in all sorts of ways. We've got people who are gifted in teaching. We have people who are really gifted in worship. We have people who are really good at encouraging others. We have people who are really, really skilled at praying for healing for people and seeing God's healing at work. You know, I actually have a testimony about that. Last week, I came to church uh, really, really dizzy. For about 24 hours, I'd been having really bad dizzy spells. Uh, it was enough that before the service started, I thought I probably can't come before I actually came to church. I thought, what am I going to do? Who do I phone? I phone Velma and see if she'll preach, you know, an hour before church is supposed to start. I had to phone Brian and see if he'll, you know, what, change or whatever. And I got a phone, and I just thought, oh, man, this is a lot of, there's a lot of logistics to try and sort out. And in the end, I thought, I'm going to try and go. And I came, and I was feeling really rough. I couldn't turn very fast. There was one point where I had a water sitting behind me, and I went to grab it, and I came back, and I was like, whoa, that was way too fast. <laughs> I'm just going <laughs> to slow down. And I went down for pre-service prayer before the service started, and, and we were just praying down in the, in the prayer room downstairs. And I just said, hey, guys, if you don't mind, could you just take a few minutes to pray for me before we get going? Because I think I'm supposed to preach. I have not phoned Velma and made alternative plans, even though I'm, Velma's so awesome. She could probably on the spot preach just about anything. I just, you know, I hadn't gone there yet. And I just thought, could you guys pray for me before the service starts? Um, and so they gathered around and prayed for me. And, and I still felt dizzy. I was still having kind of spells. I was kind of slow moving, you know. I wasn't moving very quickly. And partway through the worship service, I was sitting here, and I was feeling really woof. And about partway through, I didn't even notice when it happened, I, I, I started to feel better because when it came time to preach, my dizziness was gone. And I haven't had it since. Yeah, it was really exciting. And I don't know if it was just, like, so part of it, yeah, I can clap. Um, Thank you, Lord. So part of it, was it just stress? Okay, could have been. Was it stress in my neck? Probably. I'm kind of stressed out, <laughs> just to be honest. Um, was it also potentially a bug or flu thing? Maybe. I don't know what it was, but whatever it was, it went. And uh, I haven't had it since. There's people who are gifted at praying for healing. I mean, we're all called to be able to pray for healing, but there's some folks, you get that team together and stuff happens. And some people are gifted at working with youth and kids and on and on and on. Again, the passage calls us to give of ourselves as living sacrifices. And then Paul immediately says, well, we do that together as a body, as a community. And we're gifted and called in all sorts of different ways. And then the last point Paul makes if you have your Bible, Romans 12, verses 9 to 13, the last thing he does is he says, as you're serving, check your attitude. Watch your heart. 
Watch how you do it. It's not just that you do these things, but how you do it matters. And so he starts with love. It heads up the list. Let love be genuine. Abhor what is evil. Hold fast to what is good. Love one another with brotherly affection. Someone going around and saying, hey, I do this and this and this and look at me is really missing the point. This is not about puffing ourselves up with pride. It's about being willing to serve. It says, practice hospitality. Rejoice. Show patience when times are hard in tribulation. Look to God continually in prayer as you seek to serve him. Even in the, the, the section just before, notice that Paul gives an example of different ways we can live, and you can almost see the counter example if we're not careful. Verse 6, he said, Having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let's use them. If prophecy in proportion to our faith. The idea there is that we speak when we feel we have the confidence of the Holy Spirit, that he's really revealing something. And even then we want to test that word appropriately. We don't want to use our gifts to just sort of impress other people or to walk in pride. He says, if you lead, do it with zeal. There's a temptation when you're in leadership to get lazy about it. Especially if, if you don't have good checks and balances for accountability. You can just sort of coast along in it. He says, no, when you lead, lead with zeal. Notice what he says about showing mercy. To the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness, what would the counter to that be? It'd be and we, I'm sure you've experienced it. You're trying to help someone, and eventually you start to feel less than cheerful about it. You don't want to become overwhelmed with weariness in trying to serve, but cultivate joy. And so that's where our hearts really matter. Not just that we serve and that we work together as a body, but that we guard our hearts. And love, like I said, heads that list. Love one another. Abhor what is evil. Hold fast to what is good. And so let's end our service in prayer and thank God for the ways that he has gifted us and thank him for this ministry year as things ramp up. But also pray that he will guard our hearts. Guard our hearts from the frustrations that can happen in church life. Guard our hearts from becoming bitter. Guard our hearts from ignoring those around us. <laughs> but a willingness to love each other to show hospitality, to show patience even when it's hard to do that, to welcome those who are new, to care for those who are in need. So let's pray together to that end. Jesus, this morning we say we love you. We thank you for what you're doing in our hearts and our lives. Lord, we thank you for our, your word that encourages us and guides us. Lord, we thank you that you, by your grace, have gifted each one in unique ways called each one to serve in unique ways and and jesus the way in which we're called to serve changes depending on the season of life we're in and what we can and can't do and so lord i pray first of all that this wouldn't be a guilt-ridden thing but it'd be a life-giving thing 
Lord, your word encourages us to participate together in the life of your body because together we reflect you into the world. And so, Lord, help us to offer ourselves as living sacrifices, to see our lives as an act of worship given to you. And in the various areas where we can serve in our church family or, or join in a group with our church family this term, this fall, we pray, Lord, that you would guide our hearts so that we can be pointing people to you, Jesus. That we wouldn't seek others as better than anyone else, but we would all see each other as a vital part of the work of your church. And Lord, I thank you for those who are leading and continue to lead. Would you strengthen and encourage them today? Would you give them your wisdom and your grace to lead well? Lord, we thank you for those who've been in our church for years and years and have just served faithfully for years and years, some up front and some behind the scenes. We bless them today. Lord, for those who are newer to our church family and are looking for ways to be involved or wondering what to do, we pray that you would encourage them and you'd help us to welcome them into our congregation. Lord, we think of the needs in our own city and the ways in which you call us to be a light uh, to Dryden. Help us to do that well, we pray. Not just with different events that we may plan, but in the attitude in our hearts that we show as we go about our lives. Lord, we do pray, as Paul reminds us here, that we would love one another, that that would be first in our hearts, that we'd look continually to you, Lord, when there is tribulation and difficulty. We thank you that you've called us together in this season for this time. And we pray that you would give us your wisdom and your grace to move into the, the vision and the future that you have for us. Lord, we're expecting good things as these ministries ramp up. And we pray for people to come to faith, and for disciples to be made, and for people to be healed and set free. And we pray that you would continue to move in our Sunday worship services, and you would move in the hearts of those that gather for small groups, Lord. We pray for our youth and our kids that they would be discipled, that they'd have a strong foundation as they grow and head into this world. We think of our school, Lord, and we pray that you would uh, set uh, a foundation in their lives, Lord, as they head uh, through the years and eventually out and into adulthood. Lord, that you would guide them and keep them. Lord, we thank you for those who can make meals and do maintenance and other stuff behind the scenes. Lord, would you bless them as they give of their time and energy. And in all these things, we pray that it would be done unto you for your glory and for your kingdom. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.